What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Scotty Talks NBA. We are here on this fine Tuesday, and I am, of course, with a very special guest, as I usually am. But this time, I do have the 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 great <laughs> the great appreciation to have my man El Parcero Philly on Sir. here. You guys can find him on Twitter at Parcero Philly. El Parcero, my man. I know we just spent the weekend together. We had a good time <laughs> the Jets game. Wanted it's to get you back, uh, back on DSM. Let's talk some NBA. But uh, how you doing tonight, man? Bro, I'm doing great, man. I'm actually still bobbing to that, man. That was a that was a great intro, my man. You got some good beats in there, man. Now, but I'm excited, man. Talk some NBA. It's been a while, obviously, as everyone knows. You know, my my five five Philly sports dumb is uh it's in a dark place right now. So I'm looking forward to talking some NBA basketball as a whole, not just the Sixers, but as a whole, man. Yeah, man, and uh, I I know you know a little bit about the dark space at least uh, with the <laughs> Union losing losing on Sunday. Um, that that was a very tough loss. I, I actually got to to sit there with you and, and experience that, so I know how much that meant to you. And uh, I'm happy to have you here. Hopefully, on, on a lighter note, kind of you don't want to move on, but you you got to move on, right? Like you you, you kind of got to talk about something else to get your mind off of it. Yeah, man, that's that's the life of this five for five Philly sports life that I chose. Look, it's not always pretty. You have some ugly times, but you have some really good times as well. And it's just about. You know, a 24-hour rule, like Jalen uh, once said, 24-hour yep. rule, you move on right now. My focus right now is all on the Sixers. Uh, obviously, we have a solid team right now, which we'll talk about today. And, of course, the Birds, you know, we got, we got a little playoff hunt going on. And uh, we'll talk about the Flyers, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're they're another team that's kind of in that uh, in that basement right now. Yeah, um, and then, of course, the Phillies. Not You can't complain about the Phillies, I guess. Um, it's just a lockout right now. Lockout, so we not much that we can complain about. I guess that's what it takes is the leagues to lock out so we can't complain anymore. But um, I am I am definitely happy to have you uh, here with me today. Before we really dive in here, is there anything you need to plug, uh, anything you got going on right now? I know yes, it's kind sir. of changing of seasons. So if you just want to let everybody know what you got going on, where to find you. Yeah, man. So for me, the grind never stops. I I don't I don't sleep. Not because I do I do get some sleep, guys. Not, but the Philly sports grind doesn't stop. You know, even with the union ending, we, we have off season to a lot of off season talk to talk about rumors how we're going to fix this team. But now we go full deep with the Eagles, uh, Sixers, and Flyers right now. Obviously, game recaps with them. But anything that goes on in Philly sports, I, I'm on top of it. So uh, make sure you guys do follow and subscribe wherever YouTube. Obviously, we are now on DSM Media, so all the game recaps and all any videos that we we will put out there as well. Obviously, still still very active on TikTok. Shouts out to all the, the thank you so much to all the supporters on TikTok. It really means a lot to me. But now, when there's really sports, I'm there. That's that's pretty much all it is. So I appreciate the SM meeting. I appreciate everyone uh, tuning on in as well, man. Yeah, of course. You know, obviously, we love having you as part of the team here at DSM Media. That was more like one of our biggest free agency acquisitions. It, <laughs> it felt like it felt like when the you know the Eagles went out and got To or something like that. You know, <laughs> just bringing the big big fish in. But uh, yo, I'll catch nine catches in the Super Bowl with a broken ankle, man. Yo, put me in. <laughs> hey, that's why we brought you in the dedication, man. But uh, you you wanted yes, to everybody else here. We're all gonna get to it, but um, definitely love having you on and. Let's let's dig in, guys. Uh, before we do, make sure you're following DSM Media on all uh, social media platforms at DSM underscore media. You can also find us on Instagram at DSM period do something major. Um, that's going to be our Instagram handle. Make sure to follow us on Instagram. We're trying to grow that uh, platform as well. And uh, as my man El Parcero mentioned, we're trying to grow our TikTok presence as well. We're going to get on that on that wave. And uh, make sure we really start putting some content out on there. So make sure you're following us on all social media platforms. That being said, you guys know me, Scotty. You can find me on all social media platforms at Scotty Drown. Let's dig in. First thing I want to talk about today is going to be the Sixers, right? So obviously, always a lot going on with the Sixers, it feels like these days. But yeah. most recently, they were able to come away with a dub against the Charlotte Hornets. Um, it was a 127-124 to 124 victory in overtime behind Joel Embiid's 43 points and 15 rebounds. And uh, it's starting to look like Joel, Joel Embiid's getting a little bit more comfortable out there, starting to get his legs under him again. Oh, um, instant takeaways from that matchup with the Hornets, and then on a greater scheme, uh, the back-to-back -back close wins against the Hawks and the Hornets, what that means. Right, right, right. So what I will say to everyone uh, watching these games, 
you know, I saw a lot, you know, obviously, but, you know, both these games, I, I'm going to intertwine both this Hornets win with this Hawks win because they were both very similar. They had to grind mm-hmm. it out. It took a full four quarters for them to get the job done. And when you're looking at this team right now, obviously COVID hit us. You know, as a Philly sports fan, COVID really has been killing me, right? Um, yeah. But with this team, you know, they had to get acclimated back to it. It really hit Joel, and you really heard Joel after with God talk about how he's still fully 100%. Rick Wild, the fact that he put up what he did last night. Now, look, granted, Charlotte as well are going through their own COVID situation. You know, they had no height. You know, they were putting up uh, some some good, young, you know, some young spunky players who have some height, but no one really was guarding Joel Embiid. I saw, was it P.J. Washington guarding yeah. at times Joel Embiid? Dude, Joe, Joe, that was like the perfect matchup. But really what I loved about Joel last night was he was very methodical with the way he was attacking the basket. He wasn't doing too much, and he realizes that for right now, he just needs to play efficient basketball. That to, that last season, Joel Embiid, that's going to come over time. But for right now, get your yeah. footing in. Get that feel back. These guys have to play with one another. We'll talk about Tyrese Max, but he's got to get implemented into his offense as well. So last night was, again, another grinder in which I, I really uh, I, I liked it because – Last night you had a Charlotte team, which everyone's like, "Hey, you you, you stay close with the Charlotte Hornets. What's wrong with you?" But you gotta remember that's a spunky team, and look, they got some, like like P. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Miles Bridges, Kelly Uber. Yo, Kelly Uber dropped thirty five on us. So, dropped thirty five on us. Yeah, thirty five. Like it was nothing. I was like, "What the heck? How that even happened?" But no, that that's a spunky team, and you you have to match that energy when you got a team like that coming at you. They led by it was like uh, t- uh sixteen at one point or twelve yeah. points at one point. They had to, they had to keep going. You had the most points you scored in the quarter in that second quarter of this entire season with the 44. So for me, this is what I'm fine with. This keep chipping away because eventually it's going to happen. Like you have good players here. Now what I will say is uh, I I don't know if this roster is fully complete yet, which we'll obviously talk about. But if we're talking strictly last night, I I liked it, and I think for everyone, we just need to relax a little bit in Sixers Nation. Yeah, I, I thought you uh, I thought you said that very well very well said by you um as far as what's going on with the sixers right now um like you said just relax it, it's it's a it's a building process here we got a lot of players that are still getting adjusted um tobias harris joel Embiid, matisse steibel i know people i i know people get caught up in the joel Embiid part of it but tobias harris and matisse steibel were also they also had covid they were also out um you know with the uh the protocols there so and we'll get into that a little bit later. That's kind of a, a transitional type of statement because it's something I want to talk about a little bit later because it seems like everybody just forgets that Tobias Harris was also out with COVID um, very recently. So I'm looking at this team. I'm looking at Joel Embiid. I'm looking at the way they're playing, the way they're grinding out, especially these last two games. And you can even go back, um, you know, their most recent games. I can't remember if there was a game in between Boston and Minnesota. But those four games, Hornets, Atlanta, Boston, Minnesota, all tough, close, gritty type of games down to the wire. And uh, oh, they beat Orlando. They, they beat up Orlando. They beat up Orlando. So the, the, the one that was the one in between. In bet- uh, aside from that Orlando game, you had four close games where the first two close games, the Sixers didn't come out on top. And then the second two close games, the Sixers adjusted. They figured out how to come on top, come out on top. And uh, that's what I found most impressive. I think that's what's going to build this team the right way. I think experiencing this right now, it's, if, it, if you lose those two games, yes, it, it's panic time, right? It, it's, it, it will cause worry. The fact that we were able to pull out those wins in games where we, we really kind of needed to win those games – I'm not mad about the way that they won them. I'm just I'm happy that they won them. I I look at these as building blocks. If the if the win or loss goes the other way in those two games, it could look a lot different. And I do agree with that. But it didn't happen that way. They did right. get the two wins. They were able to pull these out on the road. They were able to pull it out in overtime last night. You talk about guys that are coming back from COVID. You mentioned it. Embiid even said he's not even close to 100 percent yet. And he's already had two 40-plus point games since arriving back from COVID. So that's the that's the next thing I wanted to ask you about. Kind of piggybacking off his performance last night, what are your thoughts on Joel Embiid? Uh, you you kind of got into it a little bit there, but maybe digress a little bit further what you're seeing from Joel Embiid since he came back from COVID and how he's trying to adjust. 
I, I thought at first he was, you know, trying to play like he was, like, obviously before COVID, right? You know, um, you know, doing a little bit too much, especially on those double teams. And that's really when they kill him. But I, I saw yesterday someone who uh, was just being playing smart basketball. That's yeah. really all it was, playing smart basketball, finding those open guys, you know, getting to those lines, taking advantage of those mismatches as well. Um, you know, people, you know, in that, in that overtime, people don't realize, like, he put the team on his back. Every All eight of those points – either scored the point or had the assist obviously that was a good uh that the closing assist that high low situation you had uh toby with kelly Ubre. kelly was uh, was guarding toby and he hit him right down in the post and he had that nice little yam and listen the this is what we need to remember the quicker that joel Embiid gets back into that rhythm let's not forget this team was on a six game winning streak right before all this COVID scare happened yeah. and they were talked about one of the elites in the eastern conference and now you know we've been going through some injuries covid and we have we have, we've been having issues with trying to get everyone back acclimated to it. But the thing is, is that when Joel is playing his dominant style, and you got spacing around the court, around around the court around Joel Embiid, that is when I think the Sixers will be this most dangerous because we know what Joel Embiid is capable of. How many centers can legitimately guard Joel Embiid? I can probably name three that can legitimately guard Joel Embiid or, or, or hold up with Joel Embiid because it's tough to stop him with his athletic ability, his touch around the rim. And, and oh, by the way, he can hit a jumper, a mid-range game, a three-point shot that's really hard to stop Joel Embiid. So once he starts getting back into the rhythm of things, it is going to be so hard to stop this team. And, of course, you got some guys here that can shoot the ball, and, and we had some guys uh, last night. Uh, Seth obviously had a little, a little off night. Yeah. Uh, but it's okay. You know, we'll be back at it tomorrow. But, you know, even Shake Millen dropped 16 points, and, and that was huge yeah. for us as well. He Big big yeah. points, big minutes in the first in the first half. But to me, I'm not I'm not really worried about Joel because we know what Joel Embiid is. My yeah. more concern is can we get the consistent spacing around him throughout the game? Yeah, no, and I, I think that's a great, you know, that, that's a great overall point and great way to finish your, your point there. Um, I, I totally agree with you, and I love that you point out the efficiency part of it and – the domination part of it, because there's so many times, and it's been throughout Joel's career, and it's it's part of growing as a player. This guy has not played basketball as long as some of these guys have played basketball that are in the NBA, right? He picked up a, a, a basketball at a very late age, you know, for somebody his size and somebody with, at his skill level. And former soccer player. His, yeah. <laughs> And we've we've seen the growth from Embiid in in that standpoint in overall skill, but also overall decision making, and uh, that's one of the most infuriating things to watch when you're watching the Sixers is when they're struggling to hit jump shots. Joel Embiid just feeding into that and taking more jump shots. Nothing makes me matter than that. I, I think I went off during the Atlanta game before halftime. I, I like lost it. Because I was just watching them. They were at three for 17 from the field at that at one point in the second quarter. They had missed a bunch of shots. Joel Embiid jacking up threes. Ty- uh, Tyrese Maxey jacked up. So, you know, everybody was just shooting threes, not trying to go into the paint, not getting to the foul line. Just settle down. Be patient. <laughs> and let's get good shots. Let's not settle. And too often, Joel Embiid is – giving the defender the easy route out right he right. doesn't take him down to the post you're making it easy on the defender you really bring up a great point because yes i agree with you there like if you're not because that happens right this is the nba you're gonna have those nights where it's not the ball is not going in the net go take more efficient shots get closer to yeah. net. go for those layups those easy shots but you know <laughs> i love those those philly sports fans are like yeah i don't know what's going on why is it joel and b staying under the under the net like dude this isn't 1980 this is 2021 if your center can't move around then what are we doing here like joel and b does not need to be sitting other under the net for an entire game like it that's exactly. that's not how it works anymore but no at that point i i really i'm glad you brought that up because that is exactly it like if the, if you run into what you ran into in the atlanta series at a couple of those games then yes Find those efficient shots. Joel, go bang down low because Clint Capella is not going to keep up with you. So at that yeah. point, I definitely agree with you, man. No, and I, I think that's a it's a good point that you made there as well is there's a balance to, to it all, right? And so obviously we don't need Joel Embiid to be just pinned down on the block, you know, <laughs> catching everything right. deep in the post. He's very skilled. He's very talented. And that's one of the benefits of having somebody like Joel Embiid. There's just those crucial moments where – okay, let me stop bailing them out because I'm not hitting my jump shot at this moment. Because I, I know 
if Joel Embiid keeps shooting, and usually, you know, when you're playing basketball, growing up playing basketball, whenever you're not hitting shots, what does the coach always tell you to do? They tell you to get to the free throw line. They tell you to get to get a layup, get in the lane, get get to the paint, get an easy shot, get in the rhythm. And and we see it so often, and we saw it last night specifically, as you mentioned earlier, Joel Embiid taking advantage of those mismatches. You got a guy like P.J. Washington. I'm sorry. I, I like P.J. Washington. He's great stretch, stretch big. He can hit the that three. Pretty he, he comes from, you know, a pedigreed school like Kentucky. He has no chance against Joel Embiid. Yeah. And and like you said, there's not many centers outside of, what, the Bam Adebayos, the Rudy Gobert's, the Miles Al, Turner's. Al Horford. Al Horford. Oh, man. <laughs> You're dirty bringing that up. <laughs> but you're so right. You're so right. I mean, my goodness. So we'll throw we'll throw Al Horford in that short list just to be fair. Clint Capella can guard him. He kind of what? It costs 108 million to take away the one of the best defenders on Joel Embiid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we should have just kept him just so Joel Embiid doesn't have to play. We could have just you know plotted him at the end of our bench. But um, no, it, any anytime you got a dominant center like this, you got to take advantage of it, and ultimately it yeah. makes it easier on the other guys. And I, I think we saw that last night. Now, overall, I don't want to see Joel Embiid have to command and dominate a game like that. You know, forty minutes, forty-eight minutes, whatever the case may be. But uh, Scotty, he's he's the closer. He is the closer. That yeah, that's exactly that. what I was gonna say, man. That's exactly what I was gonna say. Wait, let me ask you, how did you feel when you heard that though? When I heard what? When he when you heard Joel say that in in after the game, he said, "I'm oh, the he's I, the like he said I closed." <laughs> it made me it made me feel very confident because okay. the, I, I guess the difference between that in that this year and that last year is that sometimes in those closing moments we would see them go to Tobias Harris, and yes, I remember that. I, I think we can even reflect back to that Boston Celtics game, which. That that play, that last play of that game was not 100% Tobias Harris' fault, but he also didn't make the greatest decision in, in what he chose to do in that situation. Going away from that, I think Joel Embiid's like, I got to be this guy, whether it's the closer as me taking the ball and hitting a mid-range jumper over Clint, uh, over Clint Capello, whoever they're playing at, at that point, or taking that double team, being patient, and waiting for somebody else to, be, to present themselves as open. And I think we're starting to see him settle into that. And the assist numbers have been great this year. I, I mean, it's kind of low-key because it's not going to jump out out at you like a Jokic who's going to get double-digit assists. He'll get you five to seven assists. It's been pretty steady throughout this season. I think he's averaging a little bit under four assists. Um, but he, a, a lot of these games I, I've been watching, he's ha he's having a, a, a good amount of assists. He's being very involved in the facilitation of the offense as well. Um, it also helps when you're not playing four on five basketball in the offense. It so. does. <laughs> <laughs> it does help, and that, that's a that's a subtle shot there. But um, no, I, I was very impressed by Embiid last night. I was also I I didn't know how to feel about Tobias Harris last night. I'm I'm uh I'm interested to see to hear what you have to say about Tobias Harris and how he's been performing, but specifically last night because he did step in and and hit a couple threes like he was very yeah um he was very aggressive at least and I, I think that's been the knock on him lately is not taking the shots that we want him to take, um and it's almost like he was a little bit more decisive last night. What did you think of Tobias? Um, so yeah, so yesterday I was actually excited to watch Tobias because, um, I don't know if we've talked about it, but what was that? The Michael Bridges, uh, draft, obviously when we traded him away to, yeah. to Phoenix, um, I actually really wanted miles in that draft. I really liked his game. I, I don't know what it was about. I think his athleticism, I loved, I really want him in that spot. Um, and he's really developed into a solid player. He's developed into a solid uh, stretch yeah. four in the, in the modern game. And I really was intrigued by that matchup going, uh, go, Tobias going up against Miles because Miles is feeling himself this year. And that would yeah. be a really good matchup. And I thought Tobias got the best of that matchup last night. Um, and yeah, he was knocked out some shots. He was actually a key part as well in that final uh final series. Obviously, yeah. we know Tyrese Maxi. There were some instances where you saw Tobias run the point, which I think he does a good job at, you know, running that pick and roll. And there's a couple of options where, you know, on that pick and roll, you know, you run that pick and roll with Joel, and then you either drive, you either pass to Joel or 
find find the corner three guy, which either was Danny yeah. Green. You know, last time Seth Curry wasn't that guy, but Danny Green. Um, but yeah, I like what I like the bias in that game. Now, here's the issue, and this is what I always try to reiterate to Sixers fans. I don't think Tobias is a two option on the team. That's just my general opinion. I've watched him now for was it almost four seasons. Yeah. I think at this point, I know what Toby is. That doesn't. That's not a knock on Toby. That doesn't mean Toby's a bad player. I just don't think he's that second guy that a lot of Sixers fans want him to be. I think if you put, if you had a, a point guard or a two guy who can shoot the lights out, Toby would absolutely eating for the. I just don't know, especially in crunch times. Like we just talked about the closer, uh, you know, that quote unquote closer guy. Don't know if Tobias Harris could be that guy. And I know the problem is, is that we paid him like this. And that's on Elton yeah. Brand because Elton obviously panicked on that offseason. But that's just what I think of Tobias. It's not a knock on him. Obviously, his game has improved a lot over the past couple of years, especially defensively. Everyone like Philadelphia significantly improves. Like even like Seth Curry, he's getting a couple steals here and there as well. So, uh, but yeah, I just think that at this point, Tobias Harris, you we have to realize what he is. He's a really good three on a championship caliber team. Yeah, and um, you know when you when you look at the grand scheme of things, and it, it's something that really nobody ever talks about. But do you think whenever the Sixers gave Tobias Harris this max contract? Were they expecting him to be the two guy, right? Like, we do have three max players on our roster. We do have Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, and Tobias Harris. Now, when I say the number two guy, I don't mean scoring, obviously. Ben Simmons is not this, like, prolific jump-shooting point guard, obviously. (laughs) But when I say the number two guy, I mean as far as presence in the game, effect on the game. In a lot of situations, if Ben can take it to the rack, get guys – you know – how we saw Ben disappear in the playoffs, it, it it lays over to every single player on the team. And I know everybody, you know, there's there's blame to go around for a lot of different pieces in this situation. I'm not trying to throw Ben under the bus here once again, right? Like, I'm not trying to do that here. There's a lot of, a lot of flaws in this with Doc Rivers, with Tobias Harris and his decision-making in the playoffs last year. But it, as we move on into this season – we do got to understand that Tobias Harris, I don't think he was ever meant to be that number two guy on this team. He was never meant to be the Robin to Joel Embiid. That was supposed to be Ben Simmons. He was supposed to be that guy, that next guy up, that next best player on the team. And he's not. And so now we're sitting here with two max players that are active and one max player that's not contributing or doing anything for the team. And I think that gets left out. I'm, I'm looking at, you know, Tobias Harris's numbers. And it's like you said, it's it's not his performance. It's the expectations that are set. It's like everybody thinks because Ben's here that Tobias and, – and I there, I had some thinking of that during the offseason. Maybe, maybe Tobias Harris could increase to 23 or 24 points per game. I'm looking at it now. It doesn't look like it, right? It doesn't look like he's right. that big a player. He's more of the 17, 18 to 21, 22 max point per night, right? Like, that's what yep. Tobias Harris looks like. And that's what he's been his whole career. Like, it's not a surprise. Um, and, and you know, everybody was fawning over Tobias Harris' performance last year. He's not that far off. He's actually averaging more rebounds. He's he's more involved in playmaking. He's, he's bringing the ball up the court. So I just think everybody, you know – there's so much that feeds into this and and so much that goes into chemistry, as you mentioned already in, in, on the show here. Not only is Embiid, Embiid's adjusting to not having Ben Simmons. Embiid's bringing the ball up more. Tobias Harris is adjusting to not having Ben Simmons. This whole team is, and it's still a work in progress thanks to COVID. They were getting in a groove early on in the season, and, and they lost it. That's It's as simple as that. They, they lost – Three of their key players are more, obviously more at that point. But it it, it does suck. And, and I just want everybody to relax. You know, we, we just got to relax. And the next thing that we're going to get into here, we're going to talk a little bit about the Portland Trailblazers. And I want to get I want to get your opinion because it seems like Sixers fans are starting to get in that mood where it's like, ah, we got to get whatever we can for Ben. And I just Hurry don't up and do something feel like that right now. I'm with you. You know, I'm 100% with you. Um, it, it, 
I just don't think that we need to be rushing into things because of we're, we just don't like the play that is right now. Like you just mentioned, we just went through a COVID situation. Yeah. You need these guys to get back acclimated to it and just get rid of Ben Simmons pennies on the dollar. Like it just, that makes absolute no sense to me. Um, this Portland thing is definitely interesting. I don't know how much I actually buy it, um, but this is for me, I will say this. I actually had this conversation with, with my girlfriend's brother today. I The Portland thing actually does intrigue me. And CJ actually does intrigue me as well. So it's definitely something we're definitely going to have to be looking at. But uh, I, I actually do like it. But as far as getting rid of Ben Simmons for – because like you, you're hearing people say, like, you know, just get rid of – just get anything you can at this point. Like, no. I need something that's actually going to help me. Yeah. And when I'm looking at this, right, when I'm looking at this roster and I'm looking at Joel Embiid, when we're looking at a future move here, we have to remember, I do not know how much long Embiid is as far as his health goes. Yeah. That's something we really need to consider. I'm trying to win now as much as I possibly can with Joel Embiid because I truly believe that Joel Embiid, like what, what happened to Giannis last year, I 100% believe Joel Embiid can go on a run like that. Dude, Giannis played possessed last year yeah. in those playoffs. I do think Joel B can do that. However, obviously, Joel has the experience to get over the playoffs. Giannis had to do that as well. But also, Joel needs a complete team as around him. And when I look at this team, the way to make Joel get to that you know playoff level, you need that elite spacing around him. And I, and I think that that's what it's going to have to take. So before we move on, because I, I, I can tell, we, we definitely want to get in. I, I can just feel it in our conversation. We want to get into what's going on in Portland. Um, before we do that, I do just want to get your thoughts on Maxi because as we've been talking about this, and it's kind of something that can transition us into that Portland conversation, but you're looking at Tyrese Maxi, who went on a tear whenever Joel Embiid, Tobias Harris were out with the due to COVID protocols. Um, they come back. His, his play goes down a little bit, right? He's he's struggling to find his spots, his shots. He's struggling to be aggressive in the lane because he is having to defer to Joel Embiid, Tobias Harris and company. Thoughts on Tyrese Maxey. Do you think that this is like something to not worry about? It's very early on in their career. Or do you have kind of that fear that it's going to end up in a situation kind of like Ben Simmons where we saw Ben kind of go into that unaggressive state and kind of lose that that passion to drive in the lane and just be an aggressive attacking point guard. Do you think that that could happen to Maxi? Do you think that that's something that we don't have to worry about with Maxi because he's just a different breed? And then a, a, a caveat question to that, just to piggyback, um, would be when you are looking at these futuristic, these potential deals for Ben Simmons, do you have Tyrese Maxi's future in that equation? I'll start off by saying this. I remember when we, I think it was like right before the season started, we did a preview show together and we talked about the Sixers. And I, I remember telling you, like, I don't know if Tyrese Maxey can be that everyday starter yet. And then we got into the season and, you know, he's, he's starting, you know, he was the starter right away. And then, you know, he gets on that run and I'm just like, okay, you know, this is death. He's going to come down eventually. He didn't. We go through the COVID scare. He's putting the team on his back. He's he's leading huddles like it's it was absolutely wild. And and to be honest with you, like it just felt too good to be true. Like I just feel like this doesn't just happen to us. Like the Ben Simmons situation. Then you get this kid who was uh, you know a nice draft pick for us. Who can he possibly be the future point guard for the team? And that's what a lot of Sixers fans are thinking and hoping. I, I'm not sure if I'm there yet. I think Tyree going for hurdle. But like I just like I'm still feeling it. I still feel like it is too good to be true. Now, when it comes to a trade, unless I'm getting like a Damian Lillard type of player, I'm not including Tyrese Maxey. There's no way in hell I'm including Tyrese Maxey because uh, I, I want to keep Tyrese. You know, uh, like like you mentioned, he's been he's been a great surprise this year. He's been a, a big production on our. He's had a lot of production on our offense as well, and yeah. I think that he's gonna get over those hurdles. That's normal for young players. Um, and and I, I don't think you include them unless it's for a Damian Lillard type of player. Yeah, and and I, I definitely get that. And and I kind of, you know, I, I get where you're coming from because I, I guess where I, I, differ, I differentiate in the fact where, and maybe I don't, maybe I just misunderstood you, but I do think that Tyrese Maxey 
is going to be a good player. I think he could be an all-star caliber type of point guard in the NBA. Um, and I shouldn't say point guard. I should say combo guard, scoring guard, uh, because he's not your prototypical type of point guard. Right. And what makes me worry about that and worry about him as the point guard of the future for the Sixers is that I, I feel that Embiid does need that perimeter oriented, that uh, prototypical yes. facilitating point guard. But also, obviously, Ben was the facilitator, right? But he didn't he didn't shoot outside. He didn't provide that perimeter aspect that spaces the floor. So that is where my worry comes in with Maxi. It's not necessarily him. But more or less his fit, once again, as we're talking about the Sixers team and fit. Um, I, I also worry about us worrying about that fit and it hindering his development as well. Or him staying in that starting lineup and it doesn't get figured out. And he continues to be passive to Embiid and Tobias. Um, but part of that, I, I think, has to come from Tobias and Embiid and Danny Green. The leaders on the team, not necessarily the coaches, they need to go to Maxi and tell him to be himself, right? Like be right. yourself, play, do play your game with us. Because at the end of the day, it's gonna it's gonna take stress off Embiid's body. It's gonna take stress off of Tobias Harris. But then on the other side of it, it does come down to coaching, because I think in in an optim optimized rotation for the 76ers, you would have Tyrese Maxi as your sixth man. He would come off the bench. He would fuel that second unit. He could run out there with Korkmaz and Drummond throw lobs to Drummond, space the floor yeah. out with Porkmaz and whoever's on the other side. That's that's just the ideal situation for Tyrese Maxey right now at, at this point in his career and his skill set. And I just wish Doc would, would stagger it. Just because he would be better with the second unit doesn't mean you can't start him. You can start him. He could be the first guy to the bench out of the starting unit. And then you bring him right back in with the second unit to run that unit as well. And then whoever's hot, you close the game out with them, right? So that's that's where my worry comes in is is how how do we continue to use him? How do we continue to help him develop in the right way? Um, which is kind of going to lead into the next question. I, I think I want to save it. So we'll get into the Portland stuff first. Um, I just want to get to a few of these quotes that have came out today because there's there's just been a ton of turmoil in uh, Portland uh, over the last few days, over the last few weeks. Um, it's all started with, uh, right, Neil Olshey getting fired, uh, code of conduct violations with the Portland Trailblazers. Yikes. <laughs> El Barcero, how is Dame still locked into Portland right now? I'm, I don't understand. Is he, like, loyal to a flaw? I mean, I, I said this in the office. Like, it made no sense to me. Before even all of this even happened, before the season even happened, I just did not understand why he would want to stay in Portland. Like I get it, you're you're, you're loyal to them, and and this he's a very humble guy. Like he remembers everyone uh, in high school dissing him, everyone in college dissing him, and even in the pros. And Portland stuck with him, and he's like he's too loyal to a fault, like you said. I just it literally makes no sense to me. Like why wouldn't you want to get out? Why wouldn't you want to play? Like. Listen, no six bias, uh, 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 you know, involved here. But why wouldn't you want to go play with Joel Embiid? Like he's not the one to create super teams, right? You're not creating a super team. You're just teaming up with a player that would unlock your your talents. You know, I was sitting there watching Lamarcus Aldridge and Dame Lillard tape, and I'm thinking to myself, dude, if you you could do this with Joel Embiid, and it would be it would be on steroids, which you guys had together. So it just makes no sense to me why he doesn't want to get out out of Portland. That's actually a great point. I don't think that's something that's been talked about at all. I know I haven't heard anybody talk about that at all, but um, just, you know, Dame's previous previous experience um, with a high quality, um, I don't want to say a perimeter oriented uh, big man, but just a very skilled and talented uh, big man that can play in that pick and pop type type of setting. So I think that is a, uh, that is a great point. But, he hasn't um, had that since LaMarcus. And then look, yeah, just what, what he just said there too. So yeah. Joel hasn't had anybody like that since JJ Redick, and it would be on steroids because right. JJ Redick obviously wasn't getting to the rack, or even he's not even close to yeah. the score as Damian Lillard is. And and that's why I told you, like, I would do a Tyrese Maxey trade if that involved like a Damian Lillard type of player. Like, if you get someone who's just lethal from the three point line, who can drive as well, run that pick and roll to perfection, like what Joel had with JJ. Yeah. That's what I, that's my goal. Like that's really what yeah. I I know that can win us a championship. 
Yeah, it, and that's that's a great way to put it because that's that's something that you know for certain puts you over the top. Now, health you you can't you can't control injuries, you can't control you know the karma of the world. It, that's you putting your best foot forward, putting the best team that you possibly could put on the floor for the Philadelphia 76ers. And that's that's really all we can ask for, right? Um, but the talk has been revolving around CJ McCollum uh going to the Sixers. It's 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 been brought up so many times as like a just a straight up bin for CJ type type of swap, which me personally, I, I don't know that I would do just Ben straight up for CJ. I think they have to throw a, a couple more pieces in there for me to, to trade Ben to Portland. Um, but thoughts on Damian Lillard coming out and saying that he would like to play with a guy like Ben Simmons. And how does that reverse everything that we've been trying to get to happen here in Philadelphia since this whole Ben Simmons situation popped up? Uh, dude, that makes like, why would you literally, why would you want to play with Ben Simmons? <laughs> This at all bias. Like I don't understand why you would want to play with Ben Simmons. Like you're like you're the definition of a dog mentality. Like a dog, the dog mentality player. Like Ben does not that. Like I get it. Like he, he's a great defender, obviously a great wing wing player, but he can't shoot. Like you need you kind of do need that as well. I mean, I I I didn't buy that rumor to be honest with you. Um, it just didn't make sense to me. Uh, maybe Jalen Brown w- would work, but I mean Jalen right now is playing with a guy in Jason Tatum uh, in Boston who needs the ball in his hands and scoops, yeah. you know, needs you know high percentage. He needs the ball in his hands at a high percentage, and uh, I don't know if it would work. So that that's what I'm saying. Like Dame to to for Dame to get to where he wants to go, he needs to play not not with a, a defended minded wing player, but a strong center that he can work with, and we all know who that is. <laughs> yeah, and it, it just makes too much sense. I there is part of me deep down that feels like eventually, you know, if if Daryl Morey really holds out, hey, shout out to the net, Nest Out West. I appreciate you What's checking going in. on. Number two on the like, I appreciate that. Thank you for showing the love today. Of course, um, we'll That's have awesome. to we'll have to definitely check out some more of your content over there at the Nest Out Go West. But, uh, thanks for tuning in. Go Birds, of course. Um, but yeah, it, it, it is, it's amazing to me and it does, it, it gives me a deep sense that maybe just maybe if Daryl Morey plays this patiently, doesn't bite on the first offer that looks even semi good, maybe just maybe Damian Lillard forces his way out of Portland and we get everything that we're wishing for there with all this drama, there has to be some, you know, there has to be something inside of him that says, man. Maybe this isn't the place for me, right? Like they've kept the same team for how many years now? It's it's complete insanity running it back over and over like this with that same unit. Um, on top of that, you have the GM that just was fired. There's apparently turmoil amongst you know the head coaching, the coaching staff, and the and the players there. Um, there is one more uh, quote I wanted to share here, and it was actually from uh, CJ McCollum. Let me get it pulled up here. And so basically he was he was calling out the drama as well. Let me get it pulled up. <laughs> yeah, so this is CJ McCollum on the Blazers management changes. I didn't come here to tell you there's a lot of shit going on, but yeah, there <laughs> is. There's shit going on every day, and I'm a effing human being. So that doesn't sound the the hap, like the happiest player in the world to me. Nah, He's been glued to these trade rumors. What should Portland do? Are like if you're Portland, what would you do in this situation? Would you blow it up? Is there any chance that you would trade both of these guys, or are you just looking to trade one and hang on to the other in hopes that it could turn into something else? There. I mean, I think they got to blow it up. I I think that is really what you need to do. And the, remember. You have two really good pieces here. You have Damian Lillard. You have CJ McCollum. You can get some really good pieces and start your rebuild, get some young players back in return, and get that ball rolling. But I mean, Dame wants to get paid like the highest played paid player in the league as well. Uh, I mean, you got CJ putting out these comments as well. I mean, it, it's you're not going anywhere. And like, at what point does Dame say, "Yeah, like that's a good question." At what point does Dame finally have an, enough is enough? I mean, I figured by uh, after last season. Yeah, getting eliminated by Denver was enough, but obviously it wasn't. 
And now, you know, Dame is in the situation where Portland is not going to make the playoffs. The West is definitely tougher than the East, and Portland yeah. is not going to be in that conversation. Uh, and so Dame, Dame's got to really look himself in the mirror. Like, does he want to just, you know, you got those players like, yeah, they want to just make some money. You know, he obviously Dame, you know, Dame is a very, uh, he's very um, dedicated to his rap career, which, you know, much love to, to Dame Dallas, but um, what do you want to do? That's really where we're at. I mean, yeah. I would like for the Sixers to be involved. You know, I, I had this conversation. I think six trans are 50-50 on this, but I'm telling you this right now, Scotty, if this if the Trailblazers are willing to do straight up and for CJ, I'm so doing that. Because at that point, CJ adds that uh, extra spacing. Um, you know, there's a lot of talk about CJ's, I want to say, I guess, um, clutchability, as I like to say, the term I like to use. You know, he hasn't showed up in a couple of playoff series, and I do understand that. But um, you got a good group. You got a group, good group of players. That's why I don't want to do an overhaul type of trade because I like the depth on the team. I really yeah. do like this team. I think they're just missing that second scorer that can play along with Joel Embiid. And I think CJ playing along with a big like that, you got Tobias, you got Seth Curry, Danny Green. I'm in the position, and dude, that find him. You got so much spacing there for Joel Embiid. I would do that again. The move for me, if I wasn't in such win now mode, I wouldn't do it. Yeah. But because of the fact that I'm thinking win now, I would do if if Portland's willing to do uh, Ben for CJ straight up. I think you know ultimately when when I say that I wouldn't want to do it straight up, it's more or less I feel like we could get more out of Portland and. The the more that this stuff continues to come out, the more you know drama, the more turmoil, the more rumors, the more they're going to have to kind of sell these guys for less than what they're worth. And I think that's when you can get uh, maybe a C.J. McCollum plus uh, Anthony Simons or a Nazir Little and then throw in a, an extra first-round pick. And maybe you can get that just for Ben from that team in that situation where they are, they're just blowing it up. They're looking for something to, you know, kind of boost their, their next chapter in their, their franchise, which that's not the worst thing for Ben. I know some people would say, why would you trade for Ben Simmons? If you are trying to start over, he's a guy that kind of needs to start over himself. He needs to kind of redo it. He needs to find his groove. In I can the build NBA, around him. Figure out how to score. Yeah. Build it around him. Like he, like he's been asking for, for seasons here. Okay, yeah. So I was I was wondering. So Gant put There's that in the left. chat, and I was wondering if he was like joking. Oh no! How did so that he happen? has a, he has a ca- uh, collapsed lung. I I'm not 100 percent sure, but yeah, definitely uh, prayers out for CJ McCollum. I know we're talking about trading them all over the world right now, but uh, like he said, he is just a human being at the at the end of the day. And uh, first things first, so, definitely want him to be safe and healthy there. Apparently he suffered it against the Celtics, which I'm assuming was yesterday. Um, he uh, he's his timetable is obviously not, there's not really a timetable right now. But that's really all we got. He suffered it yesterday. That's a pretty serious injury. Oh, Tuesday, yep. No, no, actually it was tonight. That's tonight, Tuesday. Yep. That oh, it was tonight. tonight. I was gonna say I thought they played the Clippers last night. Yeah, they lost. Wow. Okay. Yeah, man, that's ah, prayers up for CJ. He's he's definitely a, good, a great player, and uh, you know it's crazy we're talking about this because something like that would definitely derail anything, you know, as far as that happening. So uh, we may have we may have just been talking about this. Yeah, see, we got to make sure he's good before we talk trades. I definitely feel that because um, we're we're not bringing him back another guy that's inactive, right? But. Yeah, uh, the Trailblazers, 11 and 14, maybe 11 and 15 after tonight. If CJ's out, Dame Lillard's out right now. Um, 10th in the Western Conference, four and six in their last 10. Three game losing streak coming into that game against Boston tonight. Just fired their GM. <laughs> Dame, <laughs> the signs are pointing towards the door, brother. That's all I can say. Oh, and, you know, whether it's Philly or not, you get yourself out of there, give yourself a, a new, fresh opportunity. I know uh, Stephen A. Smith's been lobbying for the New York Knicks. I definitely don't want to see that, but um, how would that even work? Like, I, we have actually stuff to give. Like, yeah, New York really doesn't. You're not give up. There's no value for Kemba now. He's coming. He's coming from a sense of that's where Dame wants to go. But 
I'm I you know in my opinion it's it doesn't really matter in a sense like Dame may want to go to the Knicks but he's going to have a short list and I I would imagine the Sixers would make that short list they're one of the few teams that have something to trade for him and can win a championship because of him we're um, two hours away yeah. from New York if you drive like Scott you'll get there now <laughs> like yeah man I, they would have to do something really over the top like rj barrett and like six first round draft picks you know something ridiculous in order basically mortgaging their entire future which that's at the end of the day el parcer i don't think that julius randall and dame lillard are contending for a championship i'm sorry i don't i don't believe that but um ah dame help yourself out help us out Let's let's get you out of Portland, man. But uh, well, and the thing is, we love Dame. Obviously, like as Philadelphians, we love Dame for his mentality. But dude, I I can't think of a player that deserves a championship more than him. Like everyone was talking about last year, Chris Paul and he's a championship. I feel like Dame deserves a freaking championship. Everything his story, his story is amazing. He does. I really, man. I really want to see him hoist one. It'd be nice with the Sixers, but as long as not with the Celtics. Other than that, I, yeah. I, <laughs> <it's true>. <laughs> <laughs> if he's not coming to the Sixers, he can just stay over in the West. That's that's <laughs> fine. Um, before we uh, move on to the next segment, and it, it'll be the last segment of the show here. Um, as far as trades, and, and what I what I meant earlier by the Tyrese Maxey comment, and like keeping his future in mind whenever you're making some of these trade offers, if it came down to an offer on the table, and I know CJ McCollum has got to collapse lungs, so maybe this is not a great example, but just for example, a player like CJ McCollum, that type of fit. He's 30 years old. His future, you know, doesn't lie in Philadelphia for the next five to 10 years, right? Like he's 30 years old. Who knows how many more seasons he has at a, at a premium uh, skill level. But you have C.J. McCollum on the table compared to like a guy like uh, De'Aaron Fox or Jante, DeJounte Murray from San Antonio who's been balling out this season. Hell yeah, yes. Those are those are more of your like prototypical point guards. They're the future. They like if you trade for one of those guys, that's your future point guard, right? Do you keep that in mind whenever you're making these decisions or do you just try to go out and get the best player and then you figure it out after? I think it has to be a perfect fit. Like you mentioned Murray, you mentioned Fox. I don't think they're I – mean, you already got Tyrese Max, and I, if you're talking about a young guard, obviously Fox and Murray are probably more advanced in their development. But I think at that point I'd see, stick with what I have and Max, you see what I have. Now, if, I, if I'm looking for uh, something, especially remember Ben Simmons' value. But, you know, it'll screw it. If you're talking about his trade in general to improve this team, I'm looking at someone that is going to add more spacing on this court and, you know, preferably if it could be someone that could work on that pick and roll with Joel Embiid, I would prefer that. But to me, I'm more concerned about someone who can uh, who can just shoot the lights out um, and obviously have a, work with Joel Embiid, not so much like a slasher, someone who could drive like Fox and Murray. Although I need to watch Murray's game. I have not watched Murray's game this year. I've seen the stats. I've seen that he's been balling. But, you know, I've seen him playing his career, and he's more of like that slasher type of, of point yeah. guard with that speed. Um, and I, I, I want to see him play now, but yeah, that, that's where, that's what I'm looking for as far as my, as, as far as the point guard goes, he's got to be able to create that spacing out in the court, man. Got you. Got you. And it, it makes a ton of sense. And that's kind of, you know, the rock and the hard place that I'm in right now, as far as what I want for the Sixers, but I, I tend to agree with you there. And if I'm the Spurs at this point, I don't think I would trade Murray for Ben Simmons. He's putting up Ben Simmons type of numbers except he actually shoots. So, I, you know what I mean? Like, why would they do – I don't yeah, know why man. they would do that. He's, he's putting up incredible numbers this year. And why doesn't he have room to grow if Ben Simmons has room to grow as well? So, I'm, I'm with you there. Um, one last point uh, with the CJ thing. It's something I just thought about, uh, but it's something I did want to address on the show today. How come every time that CJ McCollum is brought up in the trade rumors and we talk about, you know, a fit of – Let's say uh, you trade for C.J. McCollum. You put him in the starting lineup, obviously. You move Maxi to the bench. I think I would probably move Danny Green to the bench as well and put Matisse in that starting lineup just for defensive purposes. Um, so it, whatever you want to do. If you want to move Seth to the bench and keep uh, Tyrese Maxi in there with C.J. McCollum, however you want to do it. Everything, every time it's brought up, it's the fact that there's such uh, small guards, right? 
you would have two small guards at the point guard and shooting guard position. My only counter to that is like, why is that only important whenever we're talking about CJ McCollum? Why is that not important when we're talking about Dame Lillard? And what I think when I when I get down to that point of of the thought process is that obviously CJ McCollum doesn't score at the clip that Damian Lillard does. I mean, right. that, it's obvious. He's right. He's a he's a twenty plus he's a twenty plus point scorer. He shoots over four. He shoots forty percent from three this year. What is it really like? I don't want to say what is the difference because there is a difference between Dame and CJ on offense. But you're telling me that you wouldn't take a twenty plus point night scorer. You know, I, I don't understand that when we're talking about CJ's at twenty one points per game right now. Dame Lillard might be at, you know, 25, 26 points per game right now. But then the deciding factor for C.J. McCollum is the defensive side of the ball, but that's not a deciding factor for Damian Lillard. That doesn't make sense to me, right? Like, do you understand where I'm coming from? Yeah, I mean, I I just think that this fan base wants the star. I mean, it's understandable. Yeah. Uh, You know, for me, I, I think the issue at hand is the fact that Ben's value is not as high. Yeah, uh, as some people may have been valuing him, but no, nah, I mean I'm with you. I, I I would take CJ. Obviously, you know, obviously what happened tonight is is definitely unfortunate for him. But now nah, a guy like CJ is definitely someone I would take. And you know, sometimes you know, Scotty, some people just need a fresh start. Yeah, and you know, when you got like such a dominant force or dominant figure like Damian Lillard, um, you know, CJ, like I said, like over in Portland, it's been Batman and Robin. Yeah, it's been Batman. CJ's been Robin. And you know who knows? Maybe Dame is or CJ's ready for that. Maybe yeah. CJ's ready to be that guy. And and when you're playing with Joel Embiid and you got you, you have skills of a guard like that, man, it unlocks everything. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I, and and I like what you said about Batman and Robin there. And I think it's a great clarification point when we're talking about Joel Embiid and you know a potential CJ McCollum move. It's not that he comes to the Sixers and now he's Batman. Obviously, Joel Embiid is the best player on the Sixers, but he would be the lead guard. It wouldn't be the ball in Damian Lillard's hands all the time. It would be in C.J. McCollum's hands most yeah. of the time as that starting guard. And uh, I think that's, that's a good clarification point because he would be the Batman of guards, right? Like, it's, Joel Embiid's always going to want his post touches. He's going to want his mid-range game. He's going to want his area of the court. But you can still run that pick and roll and be the ball handler, get your own shots, get to your own places on the court. So, I definitely like your your uh, point there. The uh, next thing I wanted to get to, we'll we'll move through these last two sections pretty quickly here. I definitely want to keep it under an hour. Um, Shams actually uh, announced today as well that Indiana is uh, is is trying to move a lot of their key places uh, key pieces as well. Um, so that was reported in the Athletic today. Um, Miles Turner, Karis Levert. Malcolm or no Malcolm Brogdon can't be traded yet. Excuse me. <laughs> yeah. I'm talking about Demontis Sabonis. So yeah, those are the three guys' yeah. names that were mentioned. Um, is there any interest in any of those guys, or you, you're staying away from those guys? I'm just gonna say this: What the heck's going on in Indiana? Because <laughs> why? Like it makes no sense that this comes out. Because why would you give Brogdon that deal if you're trying to blow it up? Like to me, it sounds like a little disappointing. What's going off there? And and you know, we when we watched Indiana play, I was like, oh wow, okay, they made strides. Like Carlisle's a really good coach. I don't think he gives enough credit. I'm like, okay, yeah. they're figuring it out. They might they might be one of those scrappy teams making it in the playoffs. Like obviously, they don't have that like that dog elite guy. Um, but no, nah, it, it's it's just a weird uh, concept here. But um, I'm, I won't lie to you, Levert does intrigue me a little bit. I, I like his story. I like his come. He, the guy could score, obviously, but yeah, no, nothing really is just like you know gravitating. Obviously, we don't need some bonus. Um, yeah. That Dur- that Durate guy, that the um, the kid was a kid from Oregon. That yeah, look, Chris Duarte. Yo, I, I I mean I would love him as like as like a, a bench piece, but yeah, yeah. He, when we saw him, his athleticism, he's 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 his, his hands are active, especially defensively. Um, but yeah, no one really is like screaming at me like, yeah, that, that's yeah. that would you know, like nothing really would set us over the, the edge. I feel like with this move, but it's just more telling. It's really weird what's going on in Indiana right now. It, it is. makes no sense. And what's what's also weird to me is like, why aren't they good? Like, I don't understand that either. You know what I mean? Like they, I, those pieces that we mentioned, I know, you know, they're not like world beaters, but they are solid players. Demontis Sabonis is an all star. He, he's been an all star several times. 
Uh, Malcolm Brogdon's having a pretty stellar year after the extension, but um, they're sitting at 10 and 16, four and six in their last 10, 13th in the Eastern Conference. I mean, that's no good, man. And the Eastern Conference isn't playing any games this year. It's a, it's a lot better than it has been in, in uh, recent years. So. Close. Everyone's really close, I feel like. It's really close. It's really congested. You know, after the first and second teams in the East, it's really congested. I just don't um, think they have that guy that sets them over the edge. I mean, you you look at, um, you know, even in their own division, I mean, Giannis, like, we'll just look at that right there. I mean, you know, Joel Embiid in this division, Jimmy Butler, uh, Jason true. Tatum, they don't have someone like that. Like, Malcolm is great, is a good player. Levert, a good player. Sabonis, a good player. But those aren't guys that are bringing them over the edge, and that's that's the problem with Indiana, despite good coaching, despite, a, you know, solid team. It's a solid team to yeah. put together, but it's just not – you're missing Missing that piece, man. I agree. I agree. And that, that's what it comes down to. They thought it was Old Depot. And, you know, obviously, yeah. in, injury sucked. wasn't the guy, man. But Levert is somebody, you know, obviously, I, don't get me wrong. I'm not trading Ben Simmons for Levert. Um, if you could get him in like a side deal, if they're really selling and you could get Levert for something really cheap, like maybe. I hate to say this about Shake after having a good game like that, but like you know, maybe Shake in like some draft compensation or something, something minimal like that. You know, I, I would be open to something like that for Levert, um, just to get that he could be like a really nice scoring punch off the bench, and then you can address elsewhere. You know, uh, once you decide to move Ben Simmons. Um, the last thing I wanted to get to here, and uh, we got we got some juggernauts in the NBA right now. And, and both of them rely, uh, actually uh, are located in the West Coast. Of course. Um, and we're talking about the 20-4 and four Golden State Warriors as well Jeez as the 20-4 and four Phoenix Suns. Um, if they are not your best team, feel free to digress. Um, I, I, I would assume that they are. But um, who is the team to beat in the NBA right now? Who has that target on their back? Or who should have that target on their back, I should say? Now, it's Phoenix for me, but it's really close. Uh, I mean, these two teams are – you know, it's crazy, too. I did not think the Warriors would come back the way they have. Like this, Dude, right? So soon. Yeah, dominate again. They look great. And you know what? <laughs> By the way, you know, Clay Thompson <laughs> is also warming up to come back for them. I know. Well. <laughs> that makes it even dangerous. But I, I like Phoenix's front court more than I do like Golden State's. Um, it's it, – I really – that's – conference finals because seven games of those who just go and added Steph versus uh versus CP3 Clay versus books dude um, I'll probably be watching that playoff series all every game but now nah, for me it's just Phoenix um you know and they're building off of what happened last year I think they're they're I think you know what's I think eight even got better you know and I, it's hard to believe I think eight yeah. even got better um he so for me money, Phoenix, man. he wants that man, pay the man Phoenix stop Why playing around Pay the man. He's earned. I think that's. I think that's something they could really regret if they don't end up locking him up, man. They. I, I think it's really discounted how big of a piece he is for them, honestly. Um, but I. I think I agree with you, man. I think I would go with Phoenix, but I want to say that with a caveat because I think it's Phoenix right now. I think once Golden State does get Clay, we got to wait and see what Clay looks like. It's been what two, three years since he's played basketball in an actual organized yeah. NBA game. Um, but I would imagine if he can stay healthy, he's going to get his feet under him. That jump shot didn't go anywhere, I would assume. Um, they also got they got some other guys like James Wiseman, their first-round pick from a, a season ago. He's still out right now, so he's a big man in the middle. Um, Draymond's been playing pretty well. Uh, he's obviously never the scoring threat, but eight, eight points a game, eight rebounds a game, eight assists per game, right? All eights. Then he gets a steal a game and a, and a block a game. So he's he's covering all parts of the floor. He keeps them glued together. Yeah, but, Draymond is going to be the 2040 NBA champion as a coach. <laughs> I, I really do think. I, I People don't see that. Like, they don't yeah. see what's going on on, coach on, the, on the floor. Dude, yeah, 100%. And you love that, man. You got to love that. Yeah, uh, got got to love Draymond Green. And I, I think that's what's funny when everybody, like, compares Ben Simmons to Draymond. There's one thing that Ben Simmons is missing, and it's it's a pair of nuts. <laughs> Draymond doesn't like that. He doesn't like that. Man. No, but uh, no, I, I I do like Phoenix though as of right now, and I, I think as this as the season goes on, I think Phoenix once they keep building here, they could take it up even another level, right? 
So um, there is a chance that they could end up, you know, get becoming a better team than Golden State with those pieces back. But um, I'm, I'm definitely siding with Phoenix right now. You just got a, a ton of talent right there. Um, right. You got six players averaging double figures for Phoenix. You got nine players averaging above nine points per game for Phoenix. So right under double figures, right? Yeah. Um, they had just won 18 in a row before that loss to Golden State last week, which I do want to point out they went one and one in the last week against Golden State. So it wasn't <laughs> just Golden State getting the, getting ahead of them. And also D Book was out in that second game against Golden State. So that should be That's accounted true. for as well. Sure. Um, I, I do want to point out that my early prediction in the season before the season was Memphis to be a four or five seed. And they're right there right now. Okay. Is uh and and excuse my, you know, I should definitely know that's hosting an NBA show right now. <laughs> Is John Morant back? Like I, I I never saw what happened with that big injury that he had a, a couple weeks ago. Is he back in the rotation? He's back playing? Do not believe so. No, I do not believe he was not there uh yesterday's game, but interesting. Um, so I mean, Jared Jackson had a good bounce back year for sure. Obviously, we all remember their uh, their seventy was a seventy five point win against the o- Oklahoma City Thunder. Freaking, that's wild. <laughs> they blew them the hell out. Yeah, but, but the, yeah, but you Sixers did. not blowing out by seventy five. You know, you did. Hard. You did call out. Uh, you did call out that Memphis on the first episode of Scotty Talks this season. So I definitely like got to give you your team. kudos there. Like me, that Memphis team. <laughs> they're gritty, man. They're tough. I, I, I do like them as well. They're, they're going to give any team fits because they just play hard. Um, yes, I guess that is all I got for you tonight. We we agreed there, so there's not much to discuss. The only <laughs> other team I was going to bring up was Brooklyn. That's the only other team that I would even consider in that range. But um, even they Yo, are not up to that level. We talk about this wild story with Ben Simmons. This, this story with Kyrie up in Brooklyn is absolutely crazy, man. Absolutely wild. People don't talk it about is that. crazy. What do you? That's that's a good point that you bring up there. What would you do if you're Brooklyn? Like, are you moving? Like, what can you do? I mean, can you can't you move. Them. Like, no one's gonna take them. Right. It would like. Would you trade Ben for Kyrie? <laughs> you know what, Brooklyn? We'll trade you one headache for your headache. So let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> Exchange headaches and hope they play in their other cities. Right. Like. And the thing is, the thing is for me, like I'm, I, I want to respect everyone's opinions on, you know, obviously COVID and the vaccine yeah. and what and whatnot. But like, it's it's not just been with COVID though. Like Kyrie's an interesting person, and I'm trying to like understand. Like, I'm not trying to like clo- be close minded toward I know people what you like mean, Kyrie. Man. Like, it, but it is like tough to kind of understand. And obviously, like I'm an outsider. I'm someone who covers the sport. You know, when I look at it, like, dude, that would be freaking amazing to play in the nba but i don't know what that's like right so it just yeah. it's it's hard to understand but like i can't be closed-minded towards it either i think that's a, i think that's a great point you know he's just a very uh he's Kyrie. he's misunderstood you know maybe he's I, we don't know if he's misunderstood we just don't understand him period so you know what um, he I is a character on him though when that comes out in like 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> he is my Duke guy, so I do I do keep him uh, back for Kyrie. But... Now he played like five games for Duke. <laughs> <laughs> we still hold on to him tightly, don't you worry, El Farsera. He's he's one of the Duke greats. But uh no, Kyrie, he is uh he's been a character since he came into the NBA, man. It, it's it's kind of weird, but um He's he's a hell of a talented uh, player. He's got hella talent in him, and uh, ultimately, you know, when I'm looking at that trade, like if that, I I don't think it'll ever happen because I, I won. I I think Ben Simmons would be a decent fit on Brooklyn. Um, I don't think that trade will ever happen. I don't think the Sixers would do that. I don't think Brooklyn would do it either. But I would look at the Sixers as winning that trade. Like if both players agreed that they're going to play once they get to their said destinations i would look at that trade as a win for philly i mean imagine kyrie irving and, and joel Embiid in a pick and roll type of setting i mean we talk about dame lillard and that's a conversation for another day you can pick your poison with dame and, and kyrie but my god you know kyrie driving to the lane is ridiculous his finishing ability so and he can shoot a man can dream <laughs> <laughs> he wants to play, man. I'll do it if he wants to play. But you know, right, I'll, hey, I'll do it. I'll do it. Don't you, don't you second guess it. But um, 
that is all I got for you tonight, El Parcero. Uh, before we get out of here, I do want to shout out our team over at Manscaped. As you guys know, DSM Media and Scotty Talks NBA is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped just launched their fourth-generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right, the 4.0. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code SCOTTY at manscaped.com. Manscaped engineered the ultimate groin and body trimmer by focusing on intelligent functionality and an incredibly comfortable grooming experience. Their fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. This upgraded trimmer includes a multifunction on and off switch that can engage a travel lock. It also gives you the ability to turn the 4000K LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. And did I per, and did I mention the wireless charging? The new wireless charging system uses electromagnetic induction, which can help battery length last longer. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code SCOTTY at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com using the code SCOTTY. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Your balls will certainly thank you. With that being said, I want to thank Mr. El Parcero Philly for joining me on the show today. And cheers to many more collaborations that we have in the future. Um, Now that we got you on the part of the team of uh, DSM Media here. Make sure you're following El Parcero on Twitter, on all social media, at Parcero Philly. Um, if you want to plug your TikTok and your Instagram, I don't, I'm not 100% sure that they are the same as your Twitter. So if you want to plug <laughs> those as well. Yeah, on Instagram, uh, you can follow, follow me at L underscore Parcero underscore Philly. Um, for all Philly sports updates, news, I do have an Instagram account, Oi in Philly Sports. That's part of uh, just for for daily Philly sports uh, news and coverage and, and such. And then, of course, on TikTok, we have, we have too much fun on there. Uh, you can follow me at El Parcero Philly on there as well. But uh, thank you so much, Scott, for having me on. It's a pleasure to talk some basketball, man. It's been a while. Of course. And we will uh, we will certainly do it again soon, I'm very sure. Yeah. Uh, we definitely got to talk some birds here soon, too. So maybe we'll, yeah. uh, we'll, we'll link up here awesome. soon for that. But um, definitely be sure to follow my guy, El Parcero. Be sure to follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Scotty Drown. And, of course, be sure to follow DSM Media at DSM underscore media on Twitter. If you go to that page on Twitter, you'll find our link tree. You can find us on every social media platform under the moon. <laughs> We're on everything. So make sure to tap in, uh, click that link tree. You'll also find merch if you want to support DSM Media, find your favorite shows, uh, merchandise. We also got uh, s- some really nice uh, Philly sports-oriented type of graphics. So be sure to check that out. And then, of course, be sure to subscribe to DSM Media on YouTube. That being said, myself, Scotty, and for my co-hosts here, Mr. El Parcero, Philly. That is going to be it for this episode of Scotty Talks NBA. Make sure to tune in the rest of the week. DSM Media has you covered across the board, guys. Peace.